during the pandemic, I recreated myself. Like I was creative. I was aggressive. Mm -hmm. I utilized my networks. Mm -hmm. You know, I started to create content. I've always been a broadcaster, not really a content creator. I, you know, I built extra networks. By the time I came out the pandemic, I had built lanes I never existed in before, Mm. you know? And also during that time, like I was on my own. I was reaching out to people off the strength of like, hey, I'm Roz. Hey, I'm not Roz with such network. Like, hey, I'm Roz. Mm -hmm. And like people rock with me. And I think that comes back to like, who are you as a person? Who were you when things are good? Who were you when they weren't? Like, because people will rock with you and hold you down. And like, it was actually quite affirming that you're not just here because someone appointed you to that position. You're here because you belong and because you have talent and because, you know, who you are as a person. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. And if you didn't know, No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave this conversation inspired, motivated, and hopefully excited about your journey. We are back with part two with ESPN sports broadcaster and my close friend, Roz Goldenwooday. Roz opened up about her upbringing and how she navigated a difficult family situation while playing basketball at Stanford. She shared some great sports analogies and life philosophies. And one thing that stuck with me was really her honest and heartwarming description of her mom. I don't think either of us thought we'd spend so much time talking about her upbringing, but I'm just really glad we did. I created this podcast because I not only want to celebrate what we've done and achieved as humans, I want to celebrate who we are as people. And Roz's transparent description of her family gave me more insight into who she is as a person. And I just fell in love with her even more. Like in the last episode, we had a whole fangirl moment. So if you're not sentimental, sorry about that. I'm so sentimental. (laughs) And I just remember her telling me that she celebrates life because life was really hard. And I thought, wow, I just understood her more in that moment. And after hearing her whole story, I really started to connect the dots. Like, why does she show up the way that she shows up in the world? Her grit, resilience, introspective nature, and love of sports, laughter, and fun experiences. It just all made sense. Although we've been friends for 10 years, we hadn't gone this deep before. And it's hard. Like, you don't always want to talk about the hard stuff, and you don't have to, you shouldn't have to. But I do think fostering moments of deep connection is powerful and uplifting. And it just has such a positive effect on your overall well-being. So if you haven't done this yet, ask your close friends their no straight path story, or even just start with that childhood upbringing part that I like to talk about. Like, what were you like as a child? What were your family values? What did they instill in you? How does that show up in who you are today? Ask your parents, your grandparents, a coworker, a stranger, and then reach out to me and let me know what you learn. I'm just so curious. Now that my title is podcast host and creator, it's led to a number of meaningful conversations with complete strangers. Like even on the plane, I had this amazing conversation with this screenwriter and now we're new friends. So (laughs) it's amazing. And I think that most times when you hear another person's story, like where are they from, what do they value, what lights them up, they automatically become more beautiful, like more human. 
speaking of beautiful humans, back to Roz, because you guys know I can talk about this all the time, storytelling, connection, people, humanity, all the things. And we will continue to discuss these concepts throughout the podcast and on my blog. So certainly reach out. But today we're digging into part two with Roz. And we're going to talk about her career highlights while also discussing some of the challenges and lessons learned. We start off by chatting about Roz's decision to pursue her dreams by going into sports broadcasting. So let's take a listen. I do want to go back really quickly just to that point where you were at that lowest point where you had, unfortunately, your mom had lost the home and you were trying to figure out what was next. And you went into broadcasting, which doesn't necessarily scream money initially. Doesn't scream financial stability, doesn't, you know, from the Nigerian father that you have and the mother that might need your financial support or who does at that time. Tell me, what was your headspace there? Like, how did you make that decision? Because it seems like it would be a tough one. Yeah, you talk about my Nigerian father. Like, I remember, like, my dad being like, uh, what is a broadcaster? <laughs> no sense. I have sent you to Stanford for what? <laughs> and then he would like compare me to like, somebody's daughter is a doctor. Your peers are doctors. <laughs> my husband and I get this a lot from uh, his dad, from my father-in-law. So that's why I ask. So no, at first, no, we didn't get it. And even bigger than that, you know, literally as I finished school, like our whole family life was crumbling. Like I told you, I found my mother on the street. My sister's, you know, in wards trying to get on track. We're trying to find the right medicines and therapists and doctors and even the right diagnosis, you know, and that's mental health is very near and dear to my life. My dad went back to Nigeria. I even had a boyfriend through most of college that was older and in many ways was a source of stability in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I really felt like on my own, you know, And, and like, I really didn't know what to do next. And you talk about chasing broadcasting. I also felt like stupid a little, like one, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree from Stanford yeah. and I'm kind of like struggling to put together $20,000, maybe mm. after all a bunch of odd jobs and whatever broadcasting gigs I could get. Mm. And then I felt selfish. I did have offers to make 60,000 out of college or, you know, even 70, you know, which is solid, you know, for yeah. college. And I walked away from that and, you know, was just going for after this broadcasting thing, which for the most part, I couldn't tell what work I was going to get for not forget about how much money I didn't even know what was going to come my way. And I knew that my family was struggling. So there was also a feeling of like, am I being selfish? Am I being practical? Am I being fair? Am I being responsible? And so I kind of had definitely a crossroads moment where like, maybe this could have gone another way. Like I might've found myself in a very beautiful career in sports marketing found a job at Nike. I was taking internships every year there or, um, which would have been amazing, you know, as well. But I remember doubling down on the broadcasting life for like one final try. And I often point to it as like a crossing point. And a lot of people in creative spaces can relate to feeling this way where it's not the traditional, like I'm going to go straight into a company or you kind of bet on yourself. But I was like, no, I'm talented. I believe I'm good. You know, I'm going to try something. So I started a little digital show about women's college basketball with my boy called the pink room. Mm. And we filmed it weekly about women's college basketball, which I had just left. So, you know, I have a relative audience I can speak to having played against these girls. I was there mm-hmm. and I did it weekly. He could edit 
and I had played against them. And so we were good for my pal, Kevin Dana, who's got a nice career in broadcasting too now. And we started off creating the show, creating consistency, putting in the work. We spent all nighters doing it, putting it up. We also didn't have an audience. So we connected with people who did have audiences. Like there was a woman's blog called Hoop Feed. That was a big deal. And we reached out to them and was like, hey, like we have a show. Can we put it on your platform? We come out there. She was like, sure. So we did that, built a little audience, built a few episodes. And then from there, we networked further. So I knew some people at Pac-12 conference and the Pac-12 network was about to start up. And I was like, hey, we're doing this show. Like, check it out. And, and you know, like when I speak to young people, I'm like, you know, you got to put in the work. You got to be creative. You got to think outside the box. You know, you're going to get a lot more no's than yeses in broadcasting. You got to network. And so, like, this is a great example of all of those things at the early stages of my life, of, of my career mm-hmm. um, coming to fruition. So I reached out to somebody in the Pac-12 conference. You know, often they're excited to help students, you know, just out of school, get on their feet. So they were like, hey, this is cool. We can't pay you, but could you do this for the conference? weekly. And I think this will help you get your foot in the door when the network starts. So we did this every week. We would drive like an hour to like Walnut Creek and back to where we were. And then we'd make this show for all 12 schools every week for the conference. And the next year, the network started and they gave me a small contract, but it was my first like contract. It was the first time I could say, wow, I know I'm going to make this this year. I got these games. And, you know, I definitely think that that was a crossroads in my career, an opportunity to say I have a career as a broadcaster that I am a broad before I was just like a hustler, honestly. Like, but, but now it was like, oh, okay, I'm a broadcaster. And so I'm really glad that that happened. I'm glad I didn't give up. There were a few other things I was thinking about, like, was it the right time to stop playing ball? I was playing ball overseas too. Was Should I take a career in, you know, just business? You know, should I do what? There were so many things at that early stage of my life after college that I was had questions about, but I'm so glad that, you know, I had the conviction to stay with it and give it a shot because look at what it's turned into. Wow. I am so happy that Roz betted on herself and didn't give up. Not long after Roz secured her first broadcasting gig, she had an eight year period of ascension. She was riding high after high opportunity after opportunity. I asked her, how did it feel to actually live the life of her dreams and to run us through some of her career highlights? Let's take a listen to what she had to say. I'm really thankful and I know that I do something I love and I'm thankful and I'm living the life that I imagined as a younger girl. I could be skinnier, but I'm like, what can I have more? Like, I'm like, no, I'm life. I feel fulfilled. I'm happy. I'm healthy. You know, it doesn't mean that life doesn't have its ups and downs, but I'm very thankful, I'm very blessed, especially knowing what could have been or what was in my past. Like I have a great amount of gratitude and I really try to leave with the joy and never forget that. And and I hope that oozes out. I would say my highlights in my career have been I working the Olympics in Brazil, 2016. Olympics, just epic. Again, having been an athlete, recognizing how, and actually I was training, I played with the Nigerian national team. We fell short of the Olympics in London. And I thought, oh man, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to the Olympics, but as a broadcaster and I covered men's basketball, being a part of the Warriors run was a career changing opportunity as their sideline reporter. 
So just all the eyeballs on them and getting to literally be around the greatness of Stephen Curry and, and, and Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr and Draymond Green. Like these are people that, you know, um, I hold near and dear to my heart. I just recently this summer worked my first WNBA finals. That was really exciting, you know, watching Candace Parker bring the chip back to Chicago, but also, you know, I was on the side with the, the Phoenix Mercury covering them often and Diana Taurasi is like, you know, a hero. So I, it was a personal, personal moment for me just to be able to share space with her. She, she's made me so nervous for so long because she's like literally a goat. And so like, just to kind of share space with her was very cool for me. And then, you know, I feel like more is coming. I feel like after all we've discussed, I really feel like I'm back on that path of further ascension. I feel like I'm in a flow state. I feel hopeful. I feel positive. And I'll describe it like this. Like, remember we talked about like, my story is going to keep coming back to sports. So what it yeah, felt like that's good. to push your, to run so hard and push yourself outside your comfort zone to a space, maybe where you felt, God, what if I don't finish the run? If I go too hard, fast, mm-hmm. like the sprints, the 17s or the suicide I talked about. And it hurts. You described how much it hurt, no matter what, how much you train you, Allison Felix said it, it, it hurt in that last hundred. Yeah. And like, sure it does. It hurts it hurts when you don't succeed. It hurts when you do succeed. Like there are different types of pain, but I have found like, whether or not you win that race or hit that shot, like the journey is worth it. What's gained and gathered is worth it. And when you do win, God, it feels so good. Mm -hmm. And also to recognize the work you've put in or to have the awareness of how special or rare it is to have this opportunity you can approach each day with such gratitude I remember there was a basketball game we won at Stanford it was against Tennessee we hadn't beat them in like years like 10 years and finally we beat them and I remember going on the plane we worked so hard for like two weeks for that one game I remember going on the plane and it was right before Christmas break at Stanford and I was heading home for the holidays and I was thinking god it was so worth it it was so worth it. All of the hard work, like how tough practice could be sometimes. My coach Tara yelling at me. I remember being so happy on that plane right home. And so that's a very small example. But in the real world today, there are so many moments I have where I'm like, it was worth it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have a lot of, again, mental endurance, which I'm constantly working at. And I would encourage others to even work with a mental coach. You could read books, you could challenge yourself because you got to be mentally strong to make it in this life. Raza's mentally tough approach to life has certainly served her well. And when she said that she felt like she was moving towards another period of ascension, she was right. I recorded this conversation with Roz in November 2021, so nearly a year ago. Since then, she secured a broadcasting spot covering the WNBA and NBA with ESPN. She's become an expert in the Web3 community and started angel investing. She's sharing her knowledge at conferences all across the country. And she's made time to create lifelong memories with her sister and other close friends and family. My girl is booked and busy, okay? (laughs) But before Roz experienced any of this, she said that she hit another low period. She opened up about the challenges she faced during the pandemic. Let's hear what she had to say. More recently, like, 
know, it's been a hard two years, you know, for everybody with the pandemic. I was in transition from one network to another network as a broadcaster with much more ambiguity than I'm even describing right now. I literally like didn't even know fully what was next. I moved to LA Mm -hmm. just for the energy. Nobody moved me here. I paid for it myself. I, you know, later my dad recently passed away. My dad died. You know, my sister had a relapse. I talked about her triumph. She was, you know, had steps back, but she's still a rock star. You know, my mom's still sick and feeling all of that on top of so much of what was giving me fuel or strength was connected to the ascension I was feeling in my career. Mm-hmm. And for a second there, I did feel like I didn't really know what was next. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic literally happened around the same time as the transition. And like, not only did I not really know what was next, period, I also suddenly like our world was transformed and I didn't even know what was next with sports or broadcasting. Yeah. It was the first time I really recognized how vulnerable we all are, but certainly I am. And it was a time where you could feel the insecurities there. You could feel the lack of support. You could feel the aloneness of Mm -hmm. fighting for your space in this world. And I would say ultimately though, I think things that I would point out is grace in adversity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I'm proud of. And I think of you with this, you have another friend, Alana, you know, the grace you show in adversity, some people crumble, some people find ugliness in themselves. And that's human too. They find pain, they get shook, you know, they let it dissolve them. Like, I do think I moved with relative grace, you know, I hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, again, to come back to sports, like running that long distance, run the track, like just keep my feet moving. Even when I had the temptation in my head, like, yo, what if I just stop? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so during the pandemic, I recreated myself. Like yeah. I was creative. I was aggressive. Mm-hmm. I utilized my networks. Mm-hmm. You know, I started to create content. I've always been a broadcaster, not really a content creator. Right. I, you know, I built extra networks. By the time I came out the pandemic, I had built lanes I never existed in before, mm. you know? And also during that time, like I was on my own, I was reaching out to people with the strength of like, Hey, I'm Roz. This, Hey, I'm not Roz with such network. Like, Hey, I'm Roz. Mm-hmm. And like people rocked with me. And I think that comes back to like, who are you as a person? Who were you when things are good? Who were you when they weren't like, cause people will rock with you and hold you down. And like, it was actually quite affirming that you're not just here because someone appointed you to that position. You're here because you belong and because you have talent and because, you know, who you are as a person. And I think this was a good time to, to separate a little bit of identity from career success. Yeah. I love that. Oh, okay. I just have two more questions for you. (laughs) One is how do you define success? And you might've already touched on this, but yeah, what does success look like to you? That's a good question. And I think like you, my thoughts on success have changed. Success encompasses areas of life, but I would say the number one word it comes down to is fulfillment. I try to think about holistic health, success, like spiritually, emotionally, physically, and of course, financially for me, that counts too. I think of the mix of personal, career, spirituality, and family life. In some ways, like as far as like if I were defining my own success, my story is not done. Like I still want to build a family. And that's a big part of, for my definition, 
of what I'm aspiring for, for success. So I would start with like, are you fulfilled? You know, are you happy? Have you prioritized the right values and people in your life? Are you moving with a purpose? Are you ever compromised by your physical world needs, by your financial needs? Like if you can move on and not be, that's great. And then, you know, as you get older too, you think about success as like, what does it mean beyond you? Whether that's in your immediate family that you build or choose not to build or a legacy afterwards, how are you paying it forward? How are you taking others with you? You know, and I think the early, you're hearing a lot of the angst of my early years in my life. And a lot of it was just like, shoot, how do I get myself out of the water from drowning? Or, or how do I get my, take my family with me? And I think now that there is a little bit more calm and direction and purpose in my life, it's, you think about things like, how do I, you know, take other people with me? How do I share positivity in my world? How do I love on others? How do I help nurture others? And it's hard. Like, again, these are things that you start to think about or that I started to think about later, you know, maybe you Ash, you'd always been, but um, my maturity has definitely grown with each year of life. And, mm-hmm. and that's emotional intellect too. So it's like, it's hard as you get older because you're taking on so many different accountabilities. Yeah. But I think like, I would like to be able to say that I've given my heart to all of that. Like for me, what I hope success is, is like, that I'm a good person, mm-hmm. that I treat people with love. I live with love, light and joy mm-hmm. and gratitude and that I do what I love and and be surrounded by a village of people I care about. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, Ross, if you didn't know, you have achieved that. <laughs> We're trying. We're good. I'm on path. Yeah. I'm on a successful path. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, you know, we'll see. <laughs> It's a journey. And that's also why I wanted to do this podcast because like you said, you're not done. Like this is mid journey. We're focusing on millennial perspectives and we're talking about our past, but also our hopes and dreams for the future. So I appreciate you sharing that because uh, this is just, you know, part of it is like, we're just getting started, which is exciting. And then we have all of this wisdom and it's, just having this experience now, I'm, I'm excited to see how it informs our next steps. You should ask me what, what success means in five years from now, and then, then 10 years. I wonder if that changes over time. Yeah, um, let's do this. Let's do this every five years. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's just check in. You know? We're, how's everything going? Still successful? <laughs> Still happy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the last thing was just more so if there was anything that I didn't ask you or I didn't touch on that you would like to share that you think could be helpful. I think you did an excellent job of navigating this conversation, number one. Thank you. Because I was all over the place. <laughs> and I guess I'll think of it more as not what did you leave out, but more what are closing thoughts. And I would say, I think because this is a millennial thing too. We're all like, you know, all going through different feelings of angst or whatever. Like I would say one thing that's helped is trying my best not to compare. And that's hard because the Instagram age, it's easy to do that. It's okay to take a break. Honestly, the safe space I create at the top of my day really helps me get through the rest of it. Prioritize prayer and like, or it could be meditation for you if you're not into that. Recognizing that like in the macro, we're doing just fine. And like, yeah, in the micro, like there might be up and down days. That's natural. And like, especially on the mental health side, it's okay that not everything is perfect. It's okay if you hurt, 
It's okay to indulge in the hurt, be with it and sit with it. Again, our generation, I feel like we've been taught that everything's got to be good, 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 mm-hmm. or show the world how great it is. Like, it's okay that perfection is not really like real. I have one of those things where you put the letters up to put a message mm-hmm. and it's in my kitchen. Myself, when I'm in my kitchen is give yourself grace. You don't have to be so hard on yourself. You're doing fine. Yeah. Create some goals you can achieve. And when you, you know, celebrate those wins, small or big, and you'll be straight. But I, that, that would be it. Like, give yourself some grace. That would be it. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to end it. And I just appreciate all of these gems, Roz. This is so incredible. And it really blessed me. And I hope that it blesses other people and inspires other people. And we just appreciate also just your vulnerability, because that is a form of strength, as I said earlier. So as you can see, there's certainly no straight path, but I'm excited about the rest of your journey. So thank you. Thank you, Ash. I'm excited for yours too. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share this episode with friends and family. And if you like what you hear, please go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to rate the show. It helps other listeners find No Straight Path. Let's spread the message, everyone, and make sure that millennials feel less alone. There's no straight path in your career and life, and that's okay. It's honestly what makes the journey exciting. So let's get inspired together. I hope you have a great week.